0: We can no longer rely on our past laurels and just be perceived, well we're the heroic firefighters. Of course you know that you need us and you just, you know, pay pay your taxes and pay our budget and when we ask for something you have to give it to us because we're the heroic firefighters and we save the day.
1: From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighter's
0: Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott.
1: That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. Since 1977, firefighter line of duty deaths have been dropping. You knew that already, right? And structure fires as a category are decreasing as well, which you probably also knew. Here's something you may not know. More civilians are dying in fires. It's true, since the 1980s, the rate of fire deaths is up 6% among civilians. Now, this statistic is readily available. The source is in the show notes, but it's not been publicized much. How the hell did we get into this situation? And what will it take to fix it? Today's guest has some radical ideas. Daniel Byrne has been a guest before on Code 3. He's a community support officer for the Burton Fire District in Beaufort County, South Carolina. He's a third-generation firefighter and a retired assistant chief of training from the Georgia Air Guard 165th Fire Department. And Daniel Byrne joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3.
0: Thank you for, for having me back. It's always a joy to get a chance to talk to all my fellow brothers and sisters out there and exchange ideas and uh, hopefully make our profession a little bit better.
1: Well, this one's going to be interesting. NFPA says the numbers are down overall. Fewer firefighters are dying at fire scenes. And even though traffic crashes and cardiac problems are the major problems now, those are down too. So how is it possible that more civilians are dying in fires?
0: Well, according to the uh, NFPA study done by Marty Atherins, um, it was inconclusive as to why. They believe in the report, they did allude to the possible the same things that we're dealing with in fires. We're learning a lot more about carbon monoxide, hydrogen cyanide, and some of the chemicals that we deal with in fires. So they indicated more studies are needed, but they believe fires are growing and spreading faster and are more toxic than they've ever been before. So therefore, the rate of people that are actually dying in the fires is higher now than it was in 1980. They say that more studies are needed. This was something that seems like that they just they just analyze themselves. But even though fires are down, more people are dying in them and they grow faster, hotter and more toxic than ever before. And we as firefighters know that.
1: So why isn't this a bigger priority and what will it take for it to become a big priority?
0: Well, there, there's a lot of reasons why it's not a priority. Uh, you know, back in When America Burning Report came out uh, in 1973 there was a big push toward prevention, fire codes, fire inspectors, prevention division, prevention messages, fire inspections. All that started out and became a real big push for us during the 70s. I remember my father's a retired Boston firefighter, and I remember him going out in some of his first company inspections and his inspection forms. And he used to complain that, you know, it doesn't do any good because nobody's listening. But they managed to reduce the amount of fires and fire fatalities and, and also firefighter fatalities since that initial push. But if you look at the graphs and the statistics, it shows that pretty much across the board, the numbers plane out somewhere around the early 90s to the 2000s. And now, like we talked about, the rate of fire deaths actually pitched up a little bit. The amount of uh, home fires have actually pitched up a little bit. So why is that happening? Well, you know, there there's several different theories behind that and and all of it is just firefighter theory, I guess, looking at the numbers and, and attending classes and talking with peers. Some of it has to do with society, right? What people value today, how they learn, the way they learn, what they retain, how they prioritize. That's all changed since the 70s. I think we can universally agree to that. But if you look at how the fire service approaches fire prevention and now community risk reduction, By and large, we're still doing the same things today that we did in the 1970s. Posters, catchy phrases, music videos, DVDs, commercials, banners, bring the fire truck to the school, show off the lights and sirens. We're chalking that up as fire prevention when in fact it's not prevention, it's entertainment. I believe we've kind of taken our eye off the ball and got involved in so many different aspects of community rescue and resources and needs that we've we've lost focus where the rubber meets the road for us, and that's in fire
1: protection. The closest thing to that that I've seen in recent years has been the posts and social media showing a bedroom where the door had been closed, saying, close your door when you sleep. Is there a need for a new kind of a campaign?
0: Well, social media has a role in it. Social media, I say, is it's a constant reminder. There, there's three aspects in my purview for fire prevention. There's fire safety awareness, fire safety education, and fire safety training. Fire safety awareness is your social media posts, your pamphlets, your posters, your saying, stop, drop, and roll, and, uh, get low and crawl and go, and, and feel the door for heat. Those are all advisory awareness type issues. And then you have fire safety education, which is classroom, your lectures, your PowerPoints, your DVDs, uh, and things of that nature. And then you have your actual fire prevention training. You actually take a fire extinguisher and you pull the pin, aim, squeeze, and sweep, and actually use it to suppress a real fire. Then there's actually crawling low, feeling a door for heat, escaping out windows, actually demonstrating that. Our own fire instructor manual that we train fire instructors on, says that students will retain over 90% of what they say while doing. In all other aspects of learning, hearing, and reciting, things like that, that's 50% or less. But people will retain, retention, over 90% of what they say while doing. Now there's not a firefighter out there listening to me today that learned how to successfully crawl into a burning building, survive, Suppress suppressed the fire and get out alive by watching a video, singing a song, and looking at social media messages. They were actually put in the environment and trained. They call it unconscious competence, prime based recognition training for those people that, that study incident command. You have to put yourself in that situation and train yourself on how to survive.
1: Are you suggesting that we cycle the public through burned buildings?
0: Well, obviously you can't set a building on fire and put people through it, but put them in an environment as close as you possibly can. There are safety houses out there that allow you to use theatrical smoke. You can use theatrical smoke in school buildings. You can use theatrical smoke in somebody's own home or in the fire station to try to put them in as realistic of an environment as you safely can. I have watched students recite to me, verbatim when the smoke alarm goes off and they'll tell you exactly what it is that they need to do and they'll say it proudly and loud but then you put them inside our safety education house you let a little theatrical smoke the smoke alarm goes off and they'll freeze and they won't know what to do same thing with adults
1: well sure it's dark and there's all sorts of sensory input that they don't expect which is the reality
0: that's the reality of fire so if 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 it's good enough for our firefighters to get them off the couch and on the training ground and actually get hands-on and uh, re- repetitively drill over and over again to develop those skills to survive a fire, why is it not good enough for our public? So we can't, my contention is we cannot just go back to social media, PowerPoint, um, the, the DVDs that are out there and, you know, the, the little animated things you can do on computers and call that fire safety Uh, good fire prevention. It's education. It has value, but in and of itself, it does nothing for you. Sitting at a computer and clicking on a a questionnaire or watching a video um, is good. It's informative, but you won't know how you react until you're actually in that environment. So we need to uh, get out of our stations, into our communities, and find ways to train our public in as realistic of his environment as we can on how to prevent and survive fires and the only way to do that is actually to get out in the community and today you know even with vision 2020 who's doing incredible work there's all kinds of great information out there on how to start a comprehensive community risk reduction program but fire departments still by and large you know it's it's a us versus them you're you got the suppression guys and then you have your prevention community risk reduction guys it's usually one one man office or one person office They're usually understaffed, underfunded, and first to be cut when finances get tight. When We need to encompass our entire fire departments to include our engine companies to get out in the community at every opportunity to provide this education and training. That's when your social media will really get the bang for the buck. Somebody that's actually been through a safety house and uh, has been in an environment where it's dark, theatrical smoke, smoke alarms going off, They have to feel their way to the window, feel the door for heat. They have to actually egress, go to the meeting place. Somebody that's experienced that firsthand, when they see your social media posts reminding them about bedroom doors being closed, when they see the social media posts about the importance of smoke alarms, now it rings true to them because they've actually been in that environment and have experienced the need to know all that information.
1: How realistic is it to try to get the public through these things one after another?
0: Focused effort. When the fire service puts its mind to something, it can, it can move mountains. And we prove that with the reduction of firefighter fatalities and line of duty deaths. And we've we dropped the number because we've attacked it. We have got to do the same thing when it comes to community risk reduction and fire prevention. Other countries have proven it. You know, the Merseyside England is a perfect study. Uh, they've been over here talking about what they've done, even in Japan and other areas where they put prevention first and foremost. They have proven results. I'm, I'm a big proponent of NFPA 1710 and 1720. I believe fully in staffing. Uh, when I was a company officer, I was in a very remote engine company. Uh, we were staffed with three, and our backup was two or three minutes away. So I can, I can appreciate the need for staffing in NFPA 10. But in between your fires, if you want that four-man engine company, that five-man truck company, well, what are you doing in between fires to provide a service to your citizens. And this is where we're missing the ball, I believe, again. People, again, culture, societies change. Our cultures have changed over time. What people value and perceive has changed. You just have to turn on the news today and see how quickly our values have changed. We can no longer rely on our past laurels and just be perceived. Well, we're the heroic firefighters. Of course, you know that you need us and you just pay your taxes and pay our budget. And when we ask for something, you have to give it to us because we're the heroic firefighters and we save the day. Now we know that. We know what we do. We know our value when the alarm sounds, but the John Q citizen doesn't anymore. They really don't. We are in the era of what have you done for me lately? Most most Americans don't feel like they're going to have a fire. So I'm not going to have a fire. Why do you need that fire truck? So we have got to not only get out from behind our bay doors and engage our citizens in fire prevention for reduction of risk, but also to improve, I don't want to say our image per se, that's not necessarily accurate, but uh, improve the the public's perception of what we do. When they're crawling through that safety house with the theatrical smoke and a little bit of heat and the low lights and the alarms going off, now they start to appreciate uh, what it takes to be in firefighter gear to go in there and put that fire out. Now they start to appreciate what it is that we do and the, how much training and effort goes into uh, fire suppression. And the only way to do that again is to get out from behind our bay doors, engage our community every day, prove our value every day, not just when the alarm sounds. And part of that and a good tool to do that is through community risk reduction and fire prevention education. And I joke around all the time, you know, you can have a, a two-man engine company pull up to a, a 50% involved two-story wood frame residential with a 1% survivability profile of someone being trapped in there being alive for a rescue, but they'll put on their air packs and they'll go in because there's a chance. There's there's no obstacle too, too large, no challenge too big. Uh, they'll go in there, kick the door in there, and, and, and do the job. But when you start talking about a Saturday doing a smoke alarm drive, or um, a, a week of going to the school and talking to the children or the parents about fire prevention, all of a sudden, oh, we don't have the resources to do that. We don't have the time to do that. That's a waste of time. You know, If you're willing to to rush into a burning building because there's a 1% chance on saving someone's life, then you should be willing to do a smoke alarm drive in a community with the 1% chance that that smoke alarm is gonna save somebody's life.
1: Let's take a short break from the interview so I can ask for your help. Don't worry, it won't cost you anything. You enjoy this show. I know you do because you're listening to it. So would you please do me a favor and tell someone about Code 3? Just tell one other person. Could be the probie in your house or the company officer. Whomever you think will get something out of the interviews I do. Or you can put it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Whatever you like, just spread the word. I'd be grateful if you did. And thank you for supporting the show that supports firefighters. Do you believe that overall, say nationwide, this sort of education has stayed the same? It's tapered off, which maybe even increased in some ways.
0: Well, nationally, I I can't really speak for every department. I know there's some out there that are doing amazing things uh, with community risk reduction and fire prevention, but those are going to be, in my experience and knowledge and just doing and, and going around and presenting at conferences and talking to firefighters and my communication are usually your larger departments with your bigger budgets. My personal experience in fire departments is, no, we we still do the same thing today that we did in the 1970s. We bring the fire truck to the school only when they ask us to. We turn on the lights and sirens. We hand out plastic fire hats. We talk about friction loss. We might talk about smoke alarms, and then we call that fire prevention. But those kids that you just talked to have very little control about fire prevention in their homes they should be geared more for towards fire survival. And there's, there's fire departments that don't even do anything for Fire Prevention Week. Explain to me this. Fire Prevention Week is the longest public health observance on record in the United States of America. We own that week in October. That's Fire Prevention Week, the longest one in, of health observance in this country. Yet the Red Cross installs smoke alarms by the tens of thousands. So we have a nonprofit agency whose primary role is disaster response has found such value in smoke detector installations and such a need of smoke detector installations that they have taken that mission on and have gone out on their own or partnered with local fire departments to get them out to do it. Now explain that to me. Fire Prevention Week, we own it. One week dedicated to fire prevention, we lose over 2,000 to 3,000 civilians every year in fire. Majority of our firefighters die on the fire ground, yet we have all these homes without smoke alarms. That another agency that's disaster response, not fire protection, is going in to put in putting these smoke alarms at homes and have found it so receptive and the public so appreciative and in need that they do this almost full time now.
1: Do we need a new national program instead of trying to ask individual communities to work this out for themselves?
0: All disasters are local and the best people to address your local community problems is your local fire department. Now, nationally, they, ha- they need support, nationally, they need programs, and that's by and large not happening, but your local fire department knows what your local fire problem is, knows the community, knows how to communicate with that community, should know how to, and should know how to get those messages across, but the emphasis should be on, on doing that. Now, I know ISO has just recently started awarding points for fire prevention programs. Sadly, there needs to be some type of an incentive to get fire departments up and doing these programs in that, I don't know the answer. I, I don't understand. Now, granted, a lot of fire departments are volunteer, and they're struggling just to keep their doors open for emergency response, and, and I wish I had an answer for them. I don't. But there's a lot of paid fire departments out there during fire prevention week that don't do anything. I could walk into any fire department in the United States and pull the rookie aside and ask them basic questions about a sprinkler system, and I bet you he or she cannot answer that question. Now, think about that right? So our job is fire protection. Our job is to protect our community from fire. That is where our rubber meets the road. We have a lot of other responsibilities, but that is ours. So I, I equate it oftentimes to doctors and cancer. You know, fire is our cancer. We have the cure. It's called sprinkler systems. But our fire recruits come out of our fire academies and go throughout their initial recruit training, can't answer basic questions about sprinkler systems for the most part. How is that? So I would say the number one thing that we could also do is, in our firefighter standards, fire prevention and community risk reduction should be up front, the first thing that they know. If you're going to respond to it, first you need to learn how to prevent it. But oftentimes, fire prevention is the last class in the last week, a couple hours long. Uh, there, there, there was even talk at one time of moving it to firefighter two, not fire taking it out of the firefighter one curriculum which if over 70% of our fire fire departments are volunteer they're barely getting firefighter one so there should be some national incentives to national firefighter training or certifications that every firefighter coming out of the fire academy can do a basic class on smoke alarms, know the leading causes of fire, how to prevent those fires, know about sprinkler systems, and can engage the community in debate and, and advocate for their use, for their, for their code adoption. I watch states, when we have the big sprinkler system push, when it finally got put in the code and the state started fighting over it, South Carolina lost that fight. We, we had the, uh, the Super Sofa Store fire. We lost nine firefighters in a building that should have had a sprinkler system. And we still do not have that in our code here in South Carolina. We continue to try to engage this fight for sprinkler systems at the capital level with lobbyists, luncheons with senators, luncheons with congressmen, and trying to educate them doing the side-by-side burns up at the lawmakers level. And that, those are, that's good. But what's going to drive that, that lawmaker to make decisions when his constituents back home pick up the phone and call him and say, or her and say, well, why is it that you did not support the sprinkler system ordinance? Why is it that you fought against the inclusion of the sprinkler system in the fire code? until they get those phone calls, not a lot's going to happen. And the home builders have the lobby, they have their ear, that's where the money is, and we're losing that fight. So part of this educating our our young firefighters coming up and putting it in their belly about sprinkler systems curing firefighter deaths and civilian fire deaths and the, the, the gold standard in fire protection, until they learn that, so they can talk to their family and friends and they can talk to their community and citizens and they can argue these ridiculous objections to sprinkler systems. The home builders will tell you, well, you don't need sprinkler systems because since smoke alarms have been put inside homes, there's been a significant reduction in fire fatalities. So smoke alarms are all you need. You don't need sprinkler systems. Well, Okay, and that sounds plausible to someone who's uneducated, right? Because you look at the grass, well, fires are dropped. Most people don't know anybody that's died in a fire. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, let's look at our numbers. Who's dying in the fires? Usually those are, that, are, that are, are very old or very young. So those that might hear a smoke alarm, but they can't do anything about it. They're too young to egress the house, or they're too old or have physical disabilities that they can't get out of the house. They can hear the smoke alarm, but they can't get out. That's where sprinkler systems come in. But if we're not educating our young firefighters and all of our firefighters on those facts, on why people are dying in fires, how they're dying in fires, and how sprinkler systems play a role in it and the importance of it and how many GPMs a sprinkler head puts out, then we're losing this battle. My wife is a school teacher, and she's had firefighters go to her schools to teach her classes about fire prevention for years. And it wasn't until she and I started dating and got married that she realized that when one head goes off, they don't all go off. So she's like, well, you know, suppose I burn the toast. Wouldn't they all wouldn't it just flood out my house? And this is I mean, she's a school teacher with a master's degree, but that was her perception of sprinkler systems. so that her fire department didn't do a very good job, even though they were talking to the kids and they were going to the classes and they were handing out the plastic fire hats. They were not engaging their community on the topics that will save firefighters and save them.
1: All right, we'll leave it there. Daniel Byrne, thanks for joining me today on Code 3.
0: Thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Were you surprised to discover that civilians are dying in fires at a higher rate now than in the past? As I said before, Daniel has some radical ideas to stop this trend, but maybe that's what it'll take, radical ideas. What do you think? Are they realistic? Can they be pulled off? You can leave your comments on our website at Code3Podcast.com CRR. There's links to more info there as well. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go
0: to code3podcast.com.